Before we begin, don't forget that if you want to hear this episode ad-free, then sign up to our members channel. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes. Members will get exclusive access to all episodes of Smoking Gun, completely ad-free, before anyone else. In Utah, Mike stops running and stoops over, his hands on his knees. He's sweating profusely and breathing more heavily than he's done in years. You'd never know he used to be a baseball player. He looks at his Fitbit. Only 3K. How can that be? He'll tell his wife he made it to 10K. She'll never know. Sally, in Gosforth, England, opens her app for the fifth time that day and sheepishly inputs her data. She hadn't meant to eat the Kit Kat, but when hunger strikes and it's the only thing in reach, what was she meant to do? Jess was admiring the view across Hong Kong from the very top of Dragon's Back. It had been a hell of a hike, but the personal best on her Fitbit was now off the charts. And when she turned round to see Kieran on one knee, clearly about to propose, well, that was the icing on the cake. In 2007, when James Park and Eric Friedman invented the Fitbit, they had no idea it would completely change people's daily routines or be part of everyday moments across the world, that it would become one of the biggest developments in wearable fitness technology. They'd also have no idea that a decade later, the fitness tracking smartwatch they'd invented would become an integral part of a murder trial. My name is Sarah Henderson. I've always been fascinated by the world of forensic science, the amazing ways in which crimes can be solved and the clues which can be found almost anywhere. And my name is Tracy Alexander from Forensic Response UK. I've spent years inside these processes, searching for those clues. I've dedicated my career to using science to help the course of justice. And my work has ensured that hundreds of criminals have gone to prison and the wrongly accused go free. Together, we're going to lift the lid on some of the most extraordinary cases from around the world. We'll discover how, with the help of science, everyday items have become the key to catching a killer. From What's the Story Sounds, this is Smoking Gun, Series 4, The Fitbit. The crime scene was particularly chaotic. Ambulances lined the street, police cars were still pulling up and police dogs were already patrolling in search of the large man who just wreaked havoc on this suburban family home. One victim, the wife, lay dead. The other, the husband, was being seen to by the paramedics. A family liaison officer was trying to get in touch with the local school so the couple's two sons wouldn't set off home to the murderous scene that awaited them. 
the police dog, rather than patrolling the three-acre house and gardens in Ellington, Connecticut, seemed intent on climbing in the back of the ambulance to sniff the husband, who'd apparently been tied up by the large man. The large man now on the loose. The handler chastised the dog, who he needed to be focused on finding the trail of a camouflage-wearing, six-foot-two masked stranger with a stocky build and a deep voice. The man in the back of the ambulance, 46-year-old Richard DeBate, was being treated for cuts inflicted by the camouflaged intruder who'd apparently been wielding a blade. But Richard had seemingly got off lightly compared to his wife, Connie, who had been fatally shot. It was the 23rd of December, 2015, and the officers attending the scene knew immediately that their Christmas work schedules had taken a dramatic turn for the worse. But duty came first. Getting this dangerous man off the streets was the priority, and they were determined to track him down. What had happened that morning was being gradually put together piece by crucial piece. It was actually a firefighter who'd been the first responder at the scene, being near to the Ellington house when the 911 call came in. As he walked through the front door of the impressive property, he could hear moaning, which he followed into the kitchen. There he was greeted by a man, clearly in pain, lying face down on the kitchen floor, his right wrist tied to a folding chair with a black zip tie. There was a black zip tie fastened tightly around his neck also, and his ankles were similarly bound. The figure tied to the chair looked up and breathlessly said, The man, he's still in the house. There was also a dark, ominous trail of blood, leading from the kitchen towards the basement. The man tied to the chair said that his wife was down there and that she'd been shot. By this point, a state trooper and two police officers had arrived at the scene, and together they went to check out the basement. Guns at the ready should they cross paths with the home invader. On the basement floor, they found a small pile of paper that appeared to have been burnt, a butane torch, a box cutter and a hammer. As they moved into a different part of the basement, the mechanical room, they found a 357 Magnum Ruger on the floor. 39-year-old Connie DeBate was lying near the boiler, lifeless, with bullet wounds to her abdomen and her head. But the intruder, he was nowhere to be seen. Outside, the perimeter of the house was being secured, and the sniffer dog, Rocky, had been called in. Rocky immediately caught a scent, which he tracked to the backyard behind the house. There, he trained in on a wallet, DeBate's wallet, it turned out. But Rocky, rather than following a trail away from the house, presumably the direction the intruder had fled, the dog kept returning to the home, or later, to the ambulance, where Richard was being treated. Further than analysing the crime scene, police needed a timeline of what had happened to the debates that morning. And as soon as Richard's wounds had been tended to, police keenly reminded him how crucial it was that he tell them any 
and all information he had. Any small detail of how things unfolded that day could be the difference between them finding the man who had shot his wife or not. So, from his hospital bed in Hartford Hospital, Richard was questioned extensively. The interview lasted six hours as officers made him walk methodically through every moment of the day. Debate told them he'd left for work that morning after putting his boys on the school bus, but annoyingly, he only got a few miles down the road before realising he'd forgotten his laptop. As he leisurely turned the car around, he received an alert on his phone, an alert which signified that an alarm had gone off at the house. Probably a glitch, he thought. It had happened before. He wasn't worried. He told police he was so unruffled that he'd actually pulled over for a second to write an email to his boss on his phone, letting him know he'd be late. Richard relayed his movements, detail by detail, to the interviewing officer. How he pulled onto the driveway, stepped out of the car and walked in through his front door. He told the detective that he immediately heard a noise coming from upstairs, which he assumed was the cat who wasn't allowed to be up there. But when Richard actually rounded the upstairs landing and went into his bedroom, it wasn't the cat he saw, but the camouflaged man he'd breathlessly described to the first people on the scene. The man stopped rifling through his wardrobe and launched himself at Richard, knocking him to the ground. In a very deep voice, the man demanded to know where his wallet and credit cards were and the PIN numbers that went with them. Richard started to cry, and the nurses asked police to pause their questioning. Richard would be interviewed multiple times that day, and new details emerged each time. Initially, Richard remembered the intruder brandishing a jagged knife. But in a later interview, he remembered a box cutter. This gave the investigating officers a dilemma. This man had evidently been through a horrifying, traumatic experience. He was in shock, and his mind was playing tricks on him. They'd seen it before. It sometimes took a while for clarity to emerge. On the other hand, the misremembered details weren't small. One specific weapon, mistaken for another very specific weapon, felt odd. Nevertheless, they persevered. And so did Richard. From the floor of his bedroom, he heard his wife Connie come home from a YMCA spin class. She called up the stairs that it had been cancelled. Richard screamed for her to run. And in response, the deep-voiced man threw him down the stairs. Or was it that he tripped and fell? He changed his mind a few times about that detail. Meanwhile, Connie ran into the basement and, despite vehemently despising them, must have grabbed the gun which was stored in the safe down there because Richard heard shots ring out and echo around the house. Richard told the officers the camouflage man then performed, in his own words, some sort of pressure point thing on his neck and wrist and walked him, like a dog, to a metal folding chair in the storage area of the basement where he tied one foot and his left wrist to the chair behind his back. Then the gloved man used his knife to cut him in jabbing motions to his legs, left shoulder and the top of his head. 
Though when quizzed on this more firmly, Richard admitted the cuts weren't administered in an overly aggressive way. A statement which made sense since his wounds were only minor, but struck detectives as odd. Finally, the intruder began to burn things in the basement, setting on fire a cardboard box and some of Richard's clothes with a small blowtorch he'd found on a basement shelf. It was at this moment that Richard recalled sensing his opportunity. Pushed the blowtorch upwards and forwards so it struck the intruder's face. And at this point, the man fled. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. If you're enjoying Smoking Gun, sign up to our brand new subscription site called What's the Story Crime? You can listen to every episode of the new series of Smoking Gun right now. You'll also get access to a whole collection of award-winning true crime content, including shows like The Missing and Crosshairs, all made by the makers of Smoking Gun and all of them ad-free. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes. Your support allows us to keep making more of the podcasts you love. So how were you able to call for help? asked one of the interviewers. Richard spoke slowly in response. He said that despite being tied to the chair, he was able to crawl up the basement stairs to the kitchen, push the panic button for the alarm system and hurl himself up at the stove to get his phone and call 911. It was a detailed and comprehensive account, but not one officer was convinced. There were too many changes, too many inaccuracies, and too many discrepancies in Richard DeBate's statement. But, as always, it was the responsibility of the Ellington investigators to prove or disprove his account. And that's exactly what they set about doing. First things first, the forensics. 
The Ruger 357 revolver found on the basement floor had no identifiable fingerprints on it, in line with Richard's memory that the intruder had been wearing gloves. And there was also some DNA evidence at the scene, including on the gun handle and the bedroom doorknob, which didn't match to any of the family and wasn't a match to anyone in the national database either. So was Richard telling the truth? Did that DNA prove an intruder's presence? As forensic investigators analysed DNA, blood spatter and bullet trajectories, they also delved into another line of inquiry, one which became hugely significant in this case. Technology plays a huge role in our lives. Technology can see everything, hear everything. It can make us healthier, records our memories and sometimes save our lives. It was the industry Richard worked in, so it was presumably of no surprise to him that technology can also be an invaluable asset in a police investigation. And the technology at play in this case was particularly revealing. Firstly, the email Richard wrote to his boss from his car was immediately disputed by the technology inbuilt in his computer. The mobile which sent the email was logged into his home's IP address at the time the email was sent, rather than a phone cell, meaning the email sent when he was at home. Then there was Connie's Fitbit, which she'd been wearing on her wrist ready for her spin class, which raised questions about debate story in more ways than one. For one, it showed the deadly shooting happened about an hour later than debate claimed. Debate told police his wife had been shot about 9am, but the Fitbit registered Connie Debate's last movement at 10.05am. It also showed that from 9.18am, when Connie Debate returned home from the Indian Valley YMCA, to the time it stopped registering activity, the Fitbit had recorded a distance of 1,217.68 feet, while the total distance to get from Connie's car to the spot where she was found in the basement would be no more than 125 feet, adding weight to the theory that Connie had been alive much longer than her husband was claiming. A timeline backed by technology began to emerge, further bolstered by CCTV footage from the YMCA, phone records, alarm system data and internet usage. Connie DeBate did not appear on any footage captured outside the YMCA spin class that morning. And she'd been active on Facebook between 9.40am and 9.46am, posting videos to her page on her iPhone, which was connected to her home. In fact, there was nothing to suggest she had left the house at all. In any criminal case, motive has to be established. It's the nucleus that everything else springs from, and often the linchpin of a trial. And while detectives combed through Connie's past and contacts book, trying to work out who might have wished her harm, and why, they were also examining her husband very closely. What could Richard's motive have been? Why would this ostensibly loving husband and father of two want to harm his wife, who, by all accounts, 
was a wonderful woman. Well, by his own admission, their marriage was in the middle of a rocky patch. And that was understating things. While he was being interviewed in hospital, Richard had admitted to officers that he'd had an affair. An affair which resulted in another woman becoming pregnant. Though he claimed that Connie had forgiven him his indiscretion. To the point she'd even agreed to co-parent the new baby as a three. Again, testament to what an amazing woman Connie was. Though when officers questioned the other woman, pregnant with Richard DeBate's child, her recollection of events differed wildly. She'd known Richard since she was 14, she said, and they'd been having an affair for two years. She was waiting for Richard to divorce Connie. In fact, he told her he was issuing papers that very week. Though she knew he was incredibly worried about the fallout and whether his friends and family would reject him. Finally, she said that Connie didn't know anything about the pregnancy, a claim that Connie's family backed up. For Ellington detectives, this was a clear motive, and Richard DeBate was a man desperate to control the damage of his deeds and paint himself as a tragic victim. Richard was arrested on Good Friday 2017, but he posted his $1 million bail and was soon seen back in the close-knit local community, where neighbours, colleagues and friends kept a measured distance. It would be three years before his trial would commence, only for it to be stalled by the global COVID pandemic. A second round of jury selection began in March 2022, and the prosecution sought to prove debate, motivated by greed, lust and a desire to save face, staged the home invasion and killed his wife. The trial took a relatively short 22 days in which a hundred people testified and the electronic evidence which had enabled detectives to establish a timeline was front and centre. So much so that the case earned the headline The Fitbit Murder. While the defence maintained that the unknown DNA at the scene proved an intruder had been in the house that day, testimony from an expert witness, a supervisor at the forensic lab, refuted this. Finding mixtures of DNA is very common, because DNA can stick around for years, he said on the stand. On the 10th of May the same year, Richard DeBate was convicted of murdering Connie DeBate, tampering with evidence and making a false statement to police. Debate was sentenced to 65 years in prison, one year short of the maximum allowed by law. For 46-year-old Debate, the term is essentially a life sentence. But the case will continue to live on in the courts. Outside the courthouse that day, Connie's family said they were delighted with the lengthy sentence. With replica sunflowers, Connie's favourite flower, and pictures of her pinned to their clothes, they stood with quiet dignity and a sense of relief. Connie's mother, Cindy Margotta, spoke into a microphone, recalling a brief conversation she'd had with her daughter on the morning of her death. Connie had said, Mom, I love you. And speaking of the verdict, Cindy said, It enables us to get a little bit of closure even though it won't bring Connie back. As a family, 
we can move forward. Smoking Gun is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's narrated by me, Sarah Henderson. And by me, Tracy Alexander. The series is supported by Forensic Response UK. Our work promotes the international fight to improve forensic techniques, to share ideas and develop the crime-solving scientific advances of the future. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give it a rating and review and help to spread the word. You can listen to a new episode of Smoking Gun every week wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to listen to all episodes right now, you can find them completely ad-free on our subscription channel, What's the Story Crime. On there, you'll also get exclusive access to a whole bunch of bonus interviews led by me, where I speak to some of the most experienced and skilled forensic scientists from around the world and find out more about what they do. Those interviews are only available on What's the Story Crime. There's also a whole range of brilliant true crime content all made by the same team. You can check out The Missing, with more than 60 episodes all about long-term missing people, which invites you to try and help solve the case. You'll also find exclusive series like Jigsaw, true crime investigations like 900 Degrees, and incredible stories told over several parts. Whatever you're into, if you enjoy listening to Smoking Gun, we're sure you'll find your next must-listen podcast on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just search for What's the Story Crime. Subscribe, and you'll get all your favourite shows ad-free. For listeners on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or any other platform, all you need to do is click the link in our show notes or visit www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime. Your subscription helps to ensure we can keep making more of the content you love. And it costs just 3 99 per month.